You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft, and this is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. I wanted to thank each and every person for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform where you can start, run, and grow your business. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibilities so start now at shopify.com slash locked on nba and this episode i have labeled it the freshman adjustment so if you are a hip-hop fan or even a kanye west fan if you remember i want to say it was the early 2000s kanye had a mixtape and it came out right before his debut album called the freshman adjustment and this was one of my favorite Kanye projects and um, I mean now if I listen to it it just shows me how how different Kanye is this is back when Kanye was wearing polo sweatshirts and the polo bear and backpacks not the Kanye you see now and so uh, I've jokingly made the comment before that this is Chicago Kanye the guy that we see now is Calabasas Kanye so and in this album freshman adjustment it was I mean, it was like the beginning of his career, and, you know, the first few albums had titles. I think the first album was College Dropout. The second one was um, Late Registration, and so they all had like a a, a college-type theme. So I've labeled this episode Freshman Adjustment because I wanted to break down how some of the top freshmen or most highly regarded freshmen coming into the season have adjusted to college basketball. I mean, I've covered Ben Carroll and, and Chet Holmgren extensively in the past few podcasts, but just wanted to break down how they've been doing. So with Ben Carroll, who is my number one prospect right now on draft boards, especially after the strong performance against Duke last week, I mean, I'm sorry, against Gonzaga last week. Ben Carroll's averaging 17.8 points per game, seven rebounds, a shade under two assists on 50, 33, 84 shooting splits. And when you take a deep dive into his numbers, you see that the majority of his possessions have been in the post where he's shooting, I'd say it's a respectable 47.6% from the floor. And overall, at the rim, he's shooting 71%. So he's been very efficient around the basket and in the post. Now, I did have some concerns about his shooting. And I don't necessarily have the same concerns as I did earlier into the season. Right now, from three, he's shooting 33%, which is, I mean, it's, it's nothing to, I mean, it's nothing that's going to wow you. But overall, he's making 42.5% of his jumpers. He's shooting 41.7% off the dribble, which that has kind of been like his, his bread and butter, his pull-up isolation jumper. And then even in catch-and-shoot situations, he's shooting 43.8% in catch-and-shoot situations in the half court. And the majority of his his work has been inside of 17 feet. And then as far as like jumpers between, I guess, mid-range jumpers, so around the 15 to 17-foot range, he's shooting 60%. So 
when you factor in that he's shooting 84% from the free throw line on top of being able to shoot 60% in the 15 to 17 foot range with the good numbers, it's very promising that he will develop into a a above average three-point shooter once he gets to the NBA. Again, we're talking about a guy that's only a freshman. So I'd say by the time, i say maybe year two, year three, I think that he could be a really effective and, and, and efficient, I don't want to say inefficient, effective and efficient shooter from deep once he gets to the NBA. The next player is Chet Holmgren, who I have at number two on my board. Chet is averaging a shade under 14 points per game, seven rebounds, two and a half assists, and three blocks. So if you're comparing the numbers between Holmgren and Bancaro, Bancaro has them in points and rebounds, but Chet is averaging like 0.6 more assists. And I mean, we expected Chet to be uh, post better numbers as far as like rim protection. And I forgot to mention with Bancaro's numbers, They'd be a little bit higher if he had effective second halves versus um, in, in the first game of the year against Kentucky and then the game against and against uh, Gonzaga. He was inefficient in both of those games. Well, I shouldn't say inefficient. He was ineffective in the second half of both of those games because he was dealing with cramping. Now back to Holmgren. Now these splits are kind of crazy. 71% from the floor, 36% from three. And 71% from the foul line. I think the foul line numbers should be a little higher. And it's something that's been somewhat consistent throughout his high school and AAU career. Is that he is not as good of a free throw shooter as you would expect for a guy that has such good touch. Now as far as Chet, he is not playing a starring role. He's playing more so of a complimentary role next to Drew Timmy. And he's doing literally all of his damage cutting and in transition uh, i mean listen to this he is shooting i'm I'm a pause when i say this he is shooting a blistering 97 percent at the rim on 35 attempts now if there is an area of concern it is that he is struggling in catch and shoot situations he is only two for 11 in the half court in catch and shoot situations and according to the numbers and I could be wrong here, but according to the numbers that I have, only two of his seven threes have come in the half court. He's two for 12 on threes in, in the half court situation, but he is shooting five for seven in transition. So he has been shooting, I mean, seven, he has seven three point attempts in transition. So as opposed to always attacking the rim or running the floor in transition, he's been used as a floor spacer, which, I mean, it's only seven attempts, but he's knocking five out of seven down. So if he could improve and get the numbers up in catch-and-shoot situations, which I don't think will, will be an issue, then you're talking about a guy who could finish the season at like 60% from the floor and over 40% from three, which are numbers that I don't don't recall seeing. And if he can get the free throw numbers up, which again, it, it's a interesting problem. Kind of reminds me of Luka Doncic in a sense, where you know Doncic is a scorer. You know he can put the ball in the basket at a high rate. I mean, we're talking about a guy that averaged about 28, 29 points per game. But he's been an up and down shooter at the free throw line. And then let's talk about Chet. Defensively, that's where he's probably had the most impact as a rim protector. I mean, he's altered so many shots. He's made so many guards or, or just... So many opponents think twice about attacking him at the rim because of his length. So 
it's going to be a battle all season long between who's number one or who's number two. I think right now you'd have to give the nod to to uh, Ben Carroll just based off the way that they played. Then the last, actually in their in their head to head matchup, the way they played in their head in their head to head matchup, and then the last prospect that I think has had a very very good start to his freshman season. He is in the mix for the number one pick. I still think it's a two player competition, but I mean he could be the wild card. And it is Jabari Smith from Auburn, averaging 16 points per game, seven rebounds, two assists. One block and one steal. So if you're into stocks, he's averaging about two and a half per game. And then his shooting splits are 46, 43, and 84. Pretty impressive. And then if you take a a deeper dive into his numbers, you see that nearly 65% of his possessions in the half court are jump shots, where he's shooting a respectable 37.5%. He's been efficient around the rim where he's making 76% of his shots, and it's only on about 17 attempts and in the half court. And this is where I think that he has a defined role in the NBA, even if he's not going to be a star, even if it's in a complimentary role. He's knocking down 47.6% of his catch-and-shoot jumpers in the half court. So I think that he is legitimately a floor spacer. Like He's not a guy that can score and shoot. I think that... He is a shooter first, and then everything else kind of falls in line after that. All right, when we return, I have a few other freshmen that I think have been impressive. But then in the last segment, I'm going to talk about some freshmen that have not necessarily lived up to the hype and have been a little bit disappointing. But before that, I want to talk to you about Shopify. In case you did not know, Shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start, grow, and manage a business. The subscription-based software allows anyone to set up an online store to sell their products. Shopify store owners can also sell in physical locations using Shopify POS, which is the point-of-sale app and an accompanying, accompanying hardware. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and stay informed. So Shopify is great for scaling your business, which is a journey, and it's a journey of endless possibility, and Shopify helps you make your entrepreneurial dreams come true. I have a younger brother who has a clothing line, and I guess I can plug it right now, 712jackets.com. He sells hoodies, sweatshirts, jackets, and he is a huge Shopify supporter. So he's been telling me all about Shopify. So if you have a a business and you're looking to sell stuff, I would totally, totally suggest Shopify. If you are looking to start an online store, go to shopify.com slash locked MBA, which is all lowercase. You can try it for a free 14 day trial and you can get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. To grow your business with Shopify today, go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked on NBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. Now this, I'm, I'm talking to me when I mention True Bill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It is because it's a business scam to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions because Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. 
On the average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is where is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I just ran into this problem two days ago. I went to the chiropractor about a month ago and then I went to the chiropractor. I thought I paid for the sessions that I signed up for. Little did I know that they signed me up for a monthly a monthly plan. And when I saw that $78 come out of my account, it made me wish that I had Truebill. So Truebill has over 2 million users and they have helped the 2 million users save over $100 million. So do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now, like right now. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Again, that is Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. All right. Thank you again for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. I appreciate it. I mean, I really am thankful for each and every person that tweets me about listening to my podcast. And what I found has been really interesting since I've been here in Spain. I did not realize I had such a international following. And because I had mentioned on my podcast that I was coming out here, I've probably had at least 10 different people reach out to me. I've met up with a couple of them this week. And uh, I mean, they've been really helpful with this adjustment and learning like the different basketball leagues and tournaments to go to. So it, it just um, it just shows that how powerful or how small the world is and how powerful a podcast could be, because I think that this transition to Spain with all the help that I've been receiving from people that have been listening to my podcast across the world is definitely going to make the this experience better and make my website better, my podcast better. And shout out to my guy, Kuze Kilic. I had Kuze on a few times, which he's now working for a team, which is, you know, for most people, the ultimate goal. So I haven't been able to have him on because of his, his new position. But shout out to Kuze for giving me this international audience. So once I had him on the podcast a couple of times, his people that followed him and followed his work started listening to the podcast and some have been following me ever since then. So shout out to Kuze, who is in Istanbul, Turkey, probably right now watching film and taking notes and about the, the next 13-year-old prospect that we don't know about. So, all right. So I wanted to go back to talking about some of the the players that I think are having good and some difficult adjustments to their freshman season in college basketball. The next player I want to talk about is Jalen Duran, who has been pretty much what I expected. He's averaging 11 points per game, 9 rebounds, 3.7 blocks, and 3 turnovers per game, shooting 64% from the floor. 0% from three, which is not shocking, and 62% from the foul line. Now, he's doing most, like, a huge chunk of his damage on offensive rebound putbacks, which is, you know, like I said, what I expected. He's a guy that just, because of his incredible physical frame and strength, he just carves out space, and he doesn't need a bunch of touches to be effective and impact the game. So, that's pretty much what he's doing. 25 of the 78 baskets 
or it's 25 of the 78 points which he scored off baskets, and I'm not, I'm not counting free throws here, but 25 of those 78 points have come from offensive rebound putbacks. Now Memphis has done a a, a decent job of trying to get him involved in post ups. He's had some success shooting 46% on post-ups. Now, I don't think that is going to be his role. I think he lacks natural touch around the rim. I remember when I watched his first game, he made a nice post-up, and I thought, like, okay, he's showing me something. And then the next possession, I think it was like an air ball or something like that, air ball face-up. So he's still a little raw on the offensive end of the floor and in the half-court set. But also another thing that I wanted to see – if Memphis would get him involved in pick and rolls, because I think that would be his role in the NBA as a, a pick and roll, roll man, a rim runner, vertical lob threat. So far, only seven attempts as the roll man out of PNR, but that is due to a variety of reasons that are some of them are out of his control. You don't always have the same spacing in college basketball, and then as a roll man, you need someone to deliver you the ball. But again, he's still a little raw with his feel for the game. And when I look at the numbers, he is turning the ball over on nearly 23% of his possessions, which is an an awful lot. So I think that if he can show an improved feel for the game, I think that would help him out. But I still think at this point, he's probably a a top five pick. A a freshman that I was high on coming into the season, and he's actually been better than, than, than I projected, is Kendall Brown from Baylor. I had a chance to go to a Baylor practice maybe about a little more than a month ago and saw him. He was kind of banged up, so he wasn't really going 100% in the practice, but he has been incredible so far for Baylor. 13.7 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.6 steals. And, I mean, we all knew coming into the season, well, if you've been following uh, Kendall Brown in high school, you knew that he was like an exceptional, exceptional high-level athlete. So, of course, he's been able to show – his incredible athleticism, but he's shooting 72% from the floor, 66% from three. So he has 72, 66, 71 shooting splits. Now, the 66% from three can be a little deceiving because he's only four of six from three, which on one hand, the numbers look good. On the other hand, you kind of wonder why is he reluctant to shoot because the numbers are good. When you break down the numbers, he's shooting 45% on jumpers in the half court. He's 3 of 5 on catch-and-shoot opportunities. And he's even 2 for 4 on jumpers off the dribble. The problem is, again, he's just a little reluctant to shoot. But he's doing nearly all of his work in transition and scoring off activity and and timely cuts. I think he's just one of the best, if not the best, cutter in this draft class. I mean, he's such an intuitive cutter. He's shooting 90 percent on cuts to the basket and 74 percent in transition and he's just a an active I mean he he's the epitome of a, a live body now the passing has been better than than I thought he had a ten assist game and outside of that game I mean the numbers have he hasn't posted like incredible assist numbers since then but I mean he is a I don't even know who to compare him to because he's such an athletic freak he can defend multiple positions, and he's a good ball mover. And I think he has the upside of being a, a pretty decent shooter. But, again, he's just uh, – shooting isn't his first – it isn't the first thing that comes to mind when he's open. He's looking to to drive to the basket or cut. But if he can become more of a confident shooter, then I think we have a chance of seeing him 
possibly creep up into the top five. All right, and then I want to talk about Tennessee freshman Kennedy Chandler. 14 points per game, five assists, 2.7 steals, 48-50-100 shooting splits in six games. Now, again, 48% from the floor, 50% from three. Hasn't missed a free throw in six games. It's pretty impressive. But it's even more impressive when you consider that one of the games that he had, he went one for nine. One for nine against Villanova. So if he has just a decent game, the numbers are even better. And here's the most impressive thing that I found. Despite only being six foot, he's shooting 59% at the rim. He actually has more dunks than Jabari Smith. And... He's blocked a shot in every game except for one. That's incredible for a, a small guard whose height has been probably the biggest knock on him. He is kind of like your analytics darling in a sense because most of his points come either at the rim or from three. Now, as far as the in-between game, he's only shooting three or 14 on shots between the rim and, and, and from three. So I think if he can get those numbers up, I mean, we're talking about a guy who could possibly put up a 50-40-90 season. I know it's early. It's only six games. We haven't even got into conference play, but I think that he is a person that can possibly do it. Now, as far as his uh, his passing, he has a 2.38 assist-to-turnover ratio, which is not bad for a, a freshman. So I think Kennedy Chandler will probably be the top point guard selected. All right, I probably went a little bit over in that segment, so I want to talk to you about betonline.com. AG. And if you've been listening, you know I talk about Bet Online almost every episode because Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Football season continues to march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile site to sign up today, and you can receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball to football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season or what's left of it. We are in December, so we are one, I don't know, we're like 28 days away or something like that away from 2022. Incredible. But bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. All right, now I have to talk about the freshmen that came into the season with a lot of hype and that are struggling. And the two main guys, I mean, I guess you can throw Peyton Watton in that mix, but he just really has not had the the opportunity. So I'm going to go with the two guys that I think have been the biggest, and I don't want to use the word disappointment. I mean, it's kind of unfair. These are freshmen in college. I mean, these are guys that are 18 years old, and I, you know, I don't want to call them disappointments. But I say the two players that I feel are having the biggest adjustment to college are Max Christie and Caleb Houston, two guys that are playing in the same state. I'll start with Max Christie first. He is averaging 7.9 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, and 1.6 assists. All right, and beware of these these numbers. 33, 26-66 shooting splits. Again, that is 33% from the floor, 26% from three, and 66% from the foul line. And his struggles have been 
I mean, they've been, I mean, they've been bad, and I'll be honest with you. Three of ten versus Kansas, one for six versus Loyola, Chicago, one for nine versus UConn, and two for six versus Baylor. He has scored six points or fewer in four games, and he's only shooting 38% at the rim and only 37% in transition. Those numbers will not get you drafted. But then again, Zaire Williams got a pass last year for inefficient numbers, which I can go on and on. I mean, I've been talking about why Desire Williams get a pass and become a top 10 pick with his inefficient numbers while B.J. Boston, who just posted a 46-point game in the NBA G League a few days ago, did not get the same benefit of the doubt. But, hey, what do I know? As far as Max Christie, if his jumper, which was kind of like the bread and butter that was supposed to be his his skill set that – um that he brought to the table, the skill set that he can hang his hat on, then it's concerning because he's only making 32% of his jumpers and nearly 7 out of 10% of his attempts in the half court are jumpers. So that is a concern. And so is Caleb Houston's play. Caleb Houston was someone that, I'll be honest, I watched him at the under-19s. I was not 100% sold on him. I couldn't figure out why there was so much hype around him. I thought that at best, he was a decent shooter, but I didn't think he was a shot creator or a great athlete. I just didn't know what he brought to the table. Other than I thought he had a, a decent IQ, but he's also struggling. Eight points per game, four rebounds, 1.8 assists, 34, 26, 84% shooting splits. I will say the 84% from the free throw line is encouraging. But between the games against Seton Hall, Arizona, and UNLV, he shot four for 25 you heard that right. Four for 25 against Seton Hall, Arizona, UNLV. That was one for nine, two for eight, and one for eight. He's shooting eight for 33 on jump shots, which if that is his bread and butter, if that is his skill set to hang his hat on, you have to be really concerned. And for him, nearly 80% of his possessions in the half court are jump shots, and I think that is largely related to his lack of ideal athleticism and shot creation ability. He's 8 for 29 on catch and shoot opportunities and 0 for 4 on pull up jumpers. Only 12 attempts at the rim. That's it. So, and he has zero dunks. So, we're talking about a guy that's 6'8, has zero dunks, while 6 foot Kennedy Chandler has more dunks. Houston is also 2 of 11 on mid range jumpers and 0 for 4. I mentioned that off the dribble. So, his struggles have been very evident. Um, hopefully, that he can turn it around. And, I mean, there's still plenty of season left. We haven't got to conference play, so there's plenty of time for Christie and Houston to see their stock rise again. But also, I mean, there's time for the other guys that I mentioned earlier in the show for their stock to fall a little bit. But the biggest concerns for me out of the freshmen are Houston and and Christie. Again, Peyton Watson necessarily hasn't had the opportunity to play. I thought that he was an interesting fit anyway because I think that he's best suited to be a point guard, but I don't think he's a better college point guard than Tiger Campbell, and he's not a better wing than Johnny Juzang and um, Jamie Hawkins. So I'm not too surprised that Peyton Watson struggles. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. But before I go, I want to talk to you about Locked On Bets. If you made Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day, Make Locked On Bets your second listen of the day because Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. 
and Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and it is available on all platforms. Well, once again, this is Rafael Barlow, NBA Draft Junkies. Check out the site. I've added plenty of new player profiles. I think I'm up to about 60 profiles already. So if you want to see profiles on some of the players that I've talked about, go to NBADraftJunkies.com. I will have videos coming soon. I'll start doing deep dive video breakdowns at the top of the year. Well, once again, it's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies. Thank you for listening, and I am...